Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of the Pick and Roll NBA podcast. Today, we recap the newly formatted All-Star Game, the Struggling Jazz, the Eastern Conference playoff picture, and of course, LeBron and Zion going head-to-head at Staples Center. Thanks for joining. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Pick and Roll NBA podcast. I'm your host, Barry Rockwood, and I am here again, joined today by my co-host, Eric Holmes. Eric, how have you been the last couple of weeks? I've been good, just recovering over a couple sicknesses, but I'm feeling a lot better now. I was talking to you last week. I was traveling with my wife and her family. Uh, that's why we didn't do a, a show, but you said that you went to the best sporting event of your life, like a live sporting event. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I went to the BYU basketball game against Gonzaga. And I'm from Spokane, so I know all about Gonzaga and just like the environment around the team and everything and how they've been really good the last couple of years, especially. And so for them to come into Provo, and to have BYU be ranked for the first time in however long, it was it was pretty freaking sick. It was so it was a really fun game, and like every possession, every mid shot, every missed shot for GU, every rebound foul, like the, everybody was just going insane. And so it was it was super sick to to just like be going crazy and to to win the game, storm the court afterwards. It was awesome. Gave Coach Rose a high five, and I was like, "What's up?" <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome because you've been to a ton of NBA games, uh, but I feel like there's nothing more exciting than a college game where it just it's completely packed and everybody's just going nuts. And like you said, you can't storm an NBA court after a game. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was it was so sick. It was a really good time. Like I'd obviously prefer to be at a Lakers like buzzer beater, but I'll take that when I can get it. Oh, for sure. And didn't. BYU's coach, Coach Pope, like, didn't he promise everybody to get him cubbies? Yeah, we went to the restaurant cubbies after the game, and he 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 uh, fitted the bill for everybody. <laughs> That's so it, dumb. it was like two grand at the end of it, and he's he did he doesn't care. He just got like the fat bonus that you get for beating the top five team and for being ranked, and so he's just he's living a good life right now. <laughs> Speaking of Utah, I guess we can just. Uh, start off with the Jazz right now. Seems like they've been going through a little bit of a rough patch um, as they kind of have like the whole last month, even before All-Star break. And they just got blown out by the Suns at home the other night. And it seems like what we all wished would have worked out with Conley coming back and finally fitting in definitely hasn't happened. No, not at all. They've tried to flip um, people in and out of the starting lineup and they were, what, on a four-game losing streak? Yeah, don't they keep changing the lineup? Yeah, and so they they were going to pull Conley out and then they decided to pull Ingles out instead. They lost the Celtics, lost the Suns. They just haven't been playing their best basketball. So who's who's your ideal starting five, especially as we're getting towards the playoffs? For the Jazz? For the Jazz, yeah. They're in, like, such a weird in-between because uh, you can minim- – people are, like, starting to figure out how to minimize Gobert. Play a stretch five against Gobert and pull him out of the paint. You can drive on anybody because everybody's undersized for – except for, like, Royce O'Neal. 
everybody's either undersized or not athletic. And so you can drive on an undersized Bogdanovich, a, a weaker athletically, older Joe Ingles. Donovan Mitchell's, what, 6'1". Mike Conley isn't very tall either. And so they're just like people I, – I feel like people are dissecting them a little bit. And Mitchell Donovan's not getting much help. Yeah, he's not. He's been playing well lately. He's been playing super well. He had like 19 against the Celtics in a quarter, but – no one else is producing really for him. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a great point. Uh, the Jazz in the past couple seasons, especially as Mitchell's gotten there, they've been known for and Gobert, obviously for being the one of the top defensive teams in the league. And this year, they definitely added more offense with Conley and Bogdanovich, but it's definitely taken a toll on their defense, and so. I don't think this team will do as well in the playoffs as they as last year's team did, especially like you said with the way that teams are continuing to evolve with small ball lineups. Like they they'll get exposed in the playoffs. I think. Yeah, I think ideally they don't want to play Houston. Like the Nuggets, I think would be the best. Yeah, Houston just has their number, but it'd be hard for them to follow to the seventh seed, don't you think? Yeah. Honestly, like, don't you just, like, shouldn't you start, like, thinking about what seeding you want? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Cherry pick for it? Well, yeah, and Bill Simmons brought up a great point in his podcast. He said, if I were Utah, the team I'd want to to go up against is the Nuggets because their best player is Jokic. So they're going to have him on the court at all times, which means you can have Gobert out there. Yeah. So, yeah, I I definitely wouldn't want to play Houston – uh, if I were Utah. I mean, it still would be a fun series, though, because Utah hates Westbrook and Harden. <laughs> I think, ideally, the Jazz need to take out Mike Conley out of the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure all the numbers say that that's not one of their best lineups. You got to have him for maybe the second bench push with Col- with Clarkson coming off. So It'll be interesting to see where the Jazz end up. And speaking of Donovan Mitchell playing in the All-Star game this year, I just want to kind of hit quick on the on the All-Star game and the new format that we saw. And honestly, I thought it was amazing. I think everybody thought it was really cool how into the game the players were. They were even, like, yelling at the refs. And, like, you know, Kyle Lowry was taking charges. And uh, <laughs> James Harden was passing up wide open threes because it was game point he was scared and like I just I just thought it was really cool did you think that was a cool setup yeah no the ending was awesome Zach Lowe had Nick Elam the, the Elam ending creator on who, who does yeah. the basketball tournament and uh, he had a really interesting conversation he was spreading the facts about like different scenarios that could happen when you're doing the Elam ending and how only like 10% of games in the basketball tournament ever end on a free throw and like free throws could be bad, but also they're rewarding of exactly what just happened there. It was like super well thought out. He, he was going in depth to see like how it could potentially change basketball, which I don't think we'll ever get to, but I think that they'll, they could do it for like a mid season tournament or the G league could try it out or keep on doing it with the all-star game. Yeah. I doubt it. I doubt it ever be for them 
for the Larry O'Brien though. And it would never happen. In oh no. No, they would never change that. I, I could see them maybe implementing it in the summer league. And like you said, the G League, just seeing how it goes. And I do really like the thought about having a play-in tournament for the two bottom seeds in each conference. And I think that that would be maybe a time to do that type of format as well. Yeah, I mean, he even brought up how it, the marketability of hitting the last shot is like how players could use that in their marketing advantages compared to just like, like a buzzer beater is obviously crazy and insane, but it doesn't happen that often. But because there's always a closing point, yeah. like that's, that's a very marketable thing. And you could, people could campaign off of that and make tons of money. And so like he has it so thought out of even coming down to how much money you can make off of it. And so it was pretty, it was a really interesting conversation and, I thought it was a big success for the All-Star game. Yeah, that's really cool because if you think about it, like the last thing you want is to be watching a game and the last three minutes on the clock take like 40, 40 minutes. Yeah. As a, obviously there's TV timeouts, but then also just all the fouling and it just gets kind of old, especially when the game's – not even that close if it's like a six or seven point game and the other team is still fouling. So that would definitely eliminate that. Uh, so yeah, I thought, I thought it was awesome. So let's move on to some big games that we had this last week. And that really told us about some teams. And the first one I want to talk about is the Raptors uh, Bucks game. And you know, the Bucks obviously have been the best team all season. They have the best record in the league and arguably the best player in the league this year with Giannis. And the Raptors have been red hot lately. Weren't they on like a 20-game win streak? Not anymore. Yeah, but, they had won 17 of 18. Yeah, so they were just going crazy. And they, they were playing the Bucks at home. And it honestly felt like a playoff environment game. But I think it said a lot about the Bucks. It was their second game on a back-to-back. They had just been in overtime the night before. And it seemed like at the beginning that Toronto was just going to be too much, too much energy. Uh, but Milwaukee pulled through, and then they even closed out the game really well. I don't know. I, I feel like just because of what happened last year with Milwaukee and how good they were in the regular season and then not doing so well in the playoffs, we kind of think it's the same thing this year and we're not giving them the credit they deserve. Uh, do, do you think like, uh, we talk about this a lot, but do you think they're like legit, like they're going to be in the finals out of the East? Yeah, no, I think they're really good. How much do you think, it, Oh, like a, because they're, they're catching everybody on like a one or two game, like you don't ever play them back to back really. And so how much do you think that plays into it? Well, yeah, that's the you big think question. When you, when you catch them in a series, it'll be different to be able to game plan for them. I don't know. I've heard a couple people throw around. It's kind of like the Ravens this year. Uh, the Ravens, it was really hard to plan for Lamar Jackson. He's just like such a unique player and such a unique offense. But when you have a couple weeks to prepare for it or four or five games to prepare for it, like it'll help you in the long run. I, I, don't, I don't know the validity to, validity to that statement but what do you think no yeah I, I definitely think that that's a huge concern but I also think that this year 
their depth is a lot better than it was last year. Uh, I think their role guys are stepping up a lot more. Like, was it DiVincenzo that was just making huge plays in that game? Like he was. Yeah, DiVincenzo's played well. Yeah, he was playing well. George Hill has been producing this year. And then I think Marvin Williams was actually a great pickup for them after the trade deadline. But I think and, – and Robin Lopez is, has held his ground um, as the backup center. But I just – I think they are a little better than last year. It, it all comes down to – because we know, we know teams are going to do all they can to take Giannis out of the game. So it really comes down to Middleton and then if Bledsoe can actually have a good playoff series for once in his life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think they they have like easily the best shot in the East, but just gotta see it. I mean Nick I think Nick Nurse might be the best coach in the NBA and so if you catch him and they're hitting their stride and they get Marcus all back, they could be scary too or the Celtics could switch everything on them and match up with them defensively. And if Jason Tatum's playing out of his mind, you never know. Yeah, and speaking of Tatum, you know I love Tatum. <laughs> but, yeah, he's just been going on an absolute tear lately, as we know. And he honestly, he, he kind of re- reminds me of Paul George in the sense that he's long and he can – do a little bit of everything like think about it he can he has nice moves where he can create space with that step back that side step three he loves to shoot he's big enough to where he can he has a nice little mid-range post-up game and he's become a way better finisher this year you're shaking your head right now do you think that's a bad comparison no 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 no. i think it's a fine comparison i just hate freaking I hate the Celtics but (laughs) like that game on Sunday I mean he went off and he was just hitting everything like with an inch of space so it was just crazy to see like he's been going off the last six or seven games so I mean good for him do you think with Tatum playing that way Kemba's out right now so obviously he's not playing but he'll be back for the playoffs uh do you think that Boston has the biggest chance of coming out of the east besides the bucks are they the next best team continues to play the way he's playing and they get Kemba back I don't know I want to say Toronto just because they won last year and that Siakam's producing 95 percent of what Kawhi was and and Anunoby stepped up and they just got experience and they they always find enough the next role player yeah and I'd also – I don't know, because I feel like – I don't know. Do you think Tice is, is good enough for him and Cantor? Are they good enough in the post? Or do you think that that's not as big of a weakness as people make it out to yeah, be? I, I think Tice has been fine. Um, Cantor's definitely a problem. But, yeah, I think Tice has played as well as you could have hoped for him to play this year. The East is going to be super interesting for sure. We always talk about the West and how good that's going to be, which it is going to be amazing. But I feel like, you know, you definitely got those four teams. You got the Bucks, the, the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Heat. Honestly, the Sixers – wait, you forgot the Raptors, first of all. Oh, yeah, the 
And, and, and the Sixers shouldn't be in there. The Sixers are, are falling out. They're, I mean, so much injury news and then just, like, bad chemistry. The Pacers are kind of dropping off a wall. And the Heat aren't playing very well either. I think right now it's a three-team race. But, well, the Bucks are their own league. Yeah. But I think that the Celtics and the Raptors, if you catch them in the right series, could give them a good fight. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so the after that Raptors Bucks game, it was a doubleheader, and it was the Lakers versus the Pelicans. I was super excited for this game because I love the Lakers, and I also love Zion Williamson. I just think he's so awesome. Honestly, I felt like that game was kind of everything we could hope for. We're seeing LeBron and Zion go head to head. I mean, LeBron. That was his best game I've seen him play of the season. We saw some, like, crazy vintage LeBron dunks, the one where Caruso threw it behind his legs. <laughs> that was so dope. Yeah, I guess what impressed you from the uh, – we'll start with the Lakers. What impressed you from the Lakers in that game? LeBron, I mean, he dropped 40 points. He shot 27 times. He only had two free throw attempts. He gets fouled I- so much. Which I don't understand. Like, that man just, like, gets destroyed when he's down low. But, I mean, he was making it today so we can live with his uh, his only two free throws. Anthony Davis didn't have that great of a game. Six for 21 for a decent amount of points. I mean, he had, it was like an off game. He had 21 points, 14 rebounds, and six blocks. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Anthony Davis is crazy good. But – Caruso stepped up. Yeah, yeah. No, that guy's the plus minus god. (laughs) Like, plus minus is a little bit of a flawed stab, but you just can't ignore how good and how much of a difference Caruso has been making. Like, I understand people think he's a meme, but that man is a legit good basketball player. Like, he just makes winning plays. Yeah, and especially at home because the crowd, like, he gets everybody so hyped and energized that, like, yeah, Why would you ever play Rondo over him? It's it's just the team politics, man. I I don't understand it. I mean, it's so blatant, blatant and obvious that there has to be stuff going on further behind the yeah. scenes. And so you do, you never know what's going to go down. But I think and I hope that in the playoffs it'll come come down a lot more to Caruso playing. Because you think about it, if the Lakers lose in the, in the playoffs and it's Rondo's fault, like Vogel's going to just get crucified. That's true. For yeah. being, being a pushover. And, like, you have to un- – Vogel knows. You Don't you think that he has to know, like, how – Anybody watching the game can know that Caru- – especially that last game, that Caruso should be getting Rondo's minutes. Yeah, the only the only reason Rondo's playing is because his name's Rajon Rondo, and like he's he's washed up, he's not good anymore, and he only plays good against the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, so I could uh, uh, I could talk to you about how I hate how much I hate Rondo and how much he affects the team all day, but well, talking about somebody who affects the team, what do you think about Kuzma? Because he only played what like twelve minutes and. Uh, I feel like it's – I feel like Vogel each game either decides it's good, it's going to be him or Green that get those minutes. I think adding Markeith Morris should help. In what way? 
that it'll slide Kuzma down to his natural position oh, as a no. forward, and that he'll get more of the better the, uh, some of the better touches that he's been looking for. I don't know Kuzma. What's tough about him is he wants a lot of touches, but he plays with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, so he's not going to get that many touches. And so it, he's got to learn to adapt, and he just hasn't been. I mean, we we all hope and wish that that he'd be playing a lot better, but he just hasn't been. And so, do you think the Lakers messed up with not trying to put him in a trade package? Um, depending on how the season ends up, that'll definitely be they'll regret looking back and maybe regret not trading him. But honestly, I th- I think it was a good call to keep him. Well, yeah, because it's because it's we've seen what he can do in some games and his ceiling's so high. It's like when Kuzma does what he's capable of doing, you wouldn't trade that away. Yeah, I mean, you can get in your head about every move that you make, but because Kuzma's only the the only like trade asset, I understand why they'd get especially in their head about him. But at the same time, like he has such a hard contract to tra- to trade because. He's making two million dollars, and you want you're not going to trade somebody else that's only worth for to only worth two million dollars. They were just in a tough spot. They didn't want to package Danny Green because they'd just be losing more than that they were than they they were getting back in return for who was on the trade market. Honestly, I think it was the best idea to not mess with chemistry, to not mess with the team dynamic in that way, and to keep Kuzma. So let's go on the other side of the court and with the Pelicans. First of all, Ingram had a great game. It was crazy that – what did he have, like 30-something? Yeah, Ingram's a baller. He played really well. Yeah, like 30-something, but it didn't even seem like he was, like, doing that much. Like, yeah, it was, it was super quiet, yeah. Yeah, and and I think the reason why it was quiet is because everybody was focusing on Zion, obviously. Um, <laughs> so – I I know you're not as big of a Zion fan as I am, which I don't get why you're not, but what stood out to you about Zion in that game? First time playing in Staples, first time going head-to-head against LeBron, who he's been compared to a ton on national TV, had over 30 points. Yeah, no, Zion's a really good player. Um, I think what stood out to me the most was, like, he's only 19 years old, and he's – obviously he is in that – that smart yet like he's a fantastic player and he makes great decisions but he he hasn't been in the league long enough like he's played like 13 games 12 games and uh, like just seeing that he still has so much to learn about the game and about defense and about how to make offensive rotations and where to pass the ball and it just it's so crazy to think that he still has like so much to learn and how how much better and how much room for improvement he has. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that just stood out to me was you you got glimpses of what he can be. Like there were certain possessions when he was guarding Anthony Davis and Davis couldn't even get in the paint against him. Yeah, he's a brick wall and he's fast and yeah, so agile for his size. And like, I, there was one possession where he played like amazing defense on Davis, and then he beat everybody down the floor for an open dunk on the other end. And I think the thing that just impressed me the most right now is I was texting you about it during the game that he literally doesn't have a post move. His only post move is turning to his left shoulder and going into you. 
And at halftime, he still had like 17 points just because he's bigger and stronger than everybody. So like, like you said, like once he can like actually get some like move, actual post moves down and get his footwork down, like he'll, he'll be, I don't, I don't ever see Zion being a bust unless he gets hurt. Yeah. Oh no, no. He's, he's lived up to, to his hype and if he can stay healthy, like there'll be an exciting team for the next five or six years, the Pelicans until oh, he wants out. Yeah. And, and speaking of the, the Pelicans and just the Western conference in general, the last thing we'll end on is the grueling stretch to the eighth seed in the West. It's already been talked about all year, kind of like even before the all-star break, but now, it's really going to get important these last, what is there, like 22, 23 games left? Yeah. Memphis is in the eighth spot right now, but they just got a huge blow with losing Jaron Jackson. He just sprained his knee. He's been balling out. So that's going to be a huge loss for them. Uh, Dame Lillard's been out for the, for the Trailblazers. Who, if you had to put your money on it, who's in the eighth seed at the end of the regular season? I already put my life savings on the Pelicans making the playoffs. <laughs> Are you serious? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I didn't. I haven't put any money down, but that's who I would. They have the easiest schedule. They're playing really well right now, and the the, the Grizzlies have one of the tougher schedules. And they lost Jaron Jackson. The Trailblazers they have an easier schedule as well, but. I just don't think enough pieces are clicking for them. Dame would just have to play Supernova for them to win. And I feel like the Pelicans have the most talented team out of those te- that group anyways. And so combined with an easy schedule, I think they pretty much have it locked up. Not, yeah. not yet, but, but pretty close to it. I mean, after watching that game, the Lakers-Pelicans game, it's like that would be such a fun playoff series to see first round. Like, obviously, the Lakers would win, but it would just be so fun to see those two teams go against each other. Yeah, it'd be a fun four or five games. (laughs) Oh, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Last thing, I feel – I don't feel bad for Bradley Beal after dropping 50 in two straight games and still losing both games. Yeah, he he chose to be there. That's so ridiculous that, like, you see on social media, like, that's so sad that Beal drops 50 and they still lose. It's like, well, yeah, he decided to stay. Like, no, That's 100% his own fault. I don't know what he expected to think, especially when he knew John Wall was going to be out all year. I, yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> all right, Eric, last question. Who's the MVP, LeBron or Giannis? I'm biased. Come on, Perry. <laughs> You all know I'm going to say LeBron. With how bad the Lakers look when LeBron's not on the court and how good they look when he's on the court, I mean, it's hard to make a case against LeBron right now. Yeah, no, um, they're a whole different team when LeBron's playing. And that's what happens when you, when you send your team around LeBron because you're never going to get the same type of production just subbing one player out. But, like, the Bucks are still killing people even when Giannis is off, which is a testament to how deep they are and how mm-hmm. good their team is. But LeBron's, in my opinion, is the most valuable player. He means the most to the Lakers. And, I mean, it's a narrative award, too. And just to see what he was – what the Lakers have gone through this year with Kobe and all, 
it's uh it's pretty special to see the way LeBron's playing. Oh, definitely. And last hot take is the small ball rockets for real at this point. Are you convinced? Um, yeah, I'm I'm convinced. I think they're really good. I I did too. I, Honestly, I think they're going to they're going to upset a couple people in the playoffs and uh, it's good. It, I wouldn't want to I don't want to see them. That's for oh, sure. No, yeah, I think that they're the most feared team and to play against in the playoffs. That doesn't mean they're the best team, but they're the last team you want to be matched up against in like a first or second round. Yeah. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us again, and we will see you all next week.